Long past the hour for quitting labour, amid the smoke-filled haze of the south gate, the after-lodge crew continues to linger in the rubbish of the temple, under the watchful eyes of right-worshipful Grand Censor Bob. Not recognised nor endorsed by any grand or subordinate lodge of regular masons, irregular masons, co-masons, Canadian masons, or internet wannabe masons, they banter on as always. Puffing cigars, drinking stale coffee, making terrible jokes, studying agency law, spreading the intemperance and excesses of digital masonry, and generally disappointing all seven of their podcast subscribers. Do yourself a favor and stop listening now. Only trolls and masochists dare to eavesdrop upon this after lodge banter. Welcome to episode 290. We're calling this 98, right? We're, last week's just a dud. Yeah. The After Lodge podcast. This is, <laughs> and now I'm dying. This is After Lodge Harlan. Um, <coughs> yep. Damn. <clears throat> Broadcasting to you, uh, hopefully not with COVID, uh, from the middle of Tornado Alley. Once again, without Bruce, I lost him somewhere along the way uh, on the heels of last week, episode 298, that almost was and then wasn't. It's all Chuck's fault. And since Chuck's not here, we have Sir John. Hi. Uh, a reasonable alternative. I find you acceptable. That'll work. And our official Canadian affairs correspondent. Hi. I really am. Here. Has it stopped snowing there yet, Jamie? Um, it in my town it did, but last week, um, forty-five minutes in a easterly direction, they had um, twenty-three, which is about like what twelve to thirteen inches of snow. And Calgary and Ontario, like, like oh, not Calgary, but Ontario and Winnipeg and stuff, I think, are getting slaughtered right now they're, too. They're getting hammered with what came through us. Yeah. So. And since there was. Literally no one else available tonight. We brought back our. He hasn't done anything to me tonight. No. Uh, I just keep trying to poke him because I'm trying to get some kind of shit stirred up. Uh, but the one and only Tiki Jack, the hey. Sonic author extraordinaire, is back. Uh, we talked a few months ago uh, that he had published a second book. And that we were going to be having him back. Uh, much like getting shows posted in a timely manner, we seem to be about three months behind on just about everything. Uh, that was my and... fault more than yours, actually. So, well, oh, oh no, I did effort. Yeah, all the way. Yeah. Uh, I don't expect anyone to invite me. I have to push myself onto these things. And I, I finished writing a book, and I'm like, eh, I'm done for like months i'm not gonna do literally anything so man they, they added me to this crew so any injection of any kind of entertainment is always taken because <laughs> look 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 oh. at it <laughs> i don't know if you guys remember but bruce is the producer of this this outfit uh more importantly let me ask have you been on any other podcasts that have masons on them to plug this book um, have I been on them? No. Have right. I done things for them? Yes. I, uh, I did, I think, a, a full five or six week series of, uh, of recorded papers for, uh, the esteemed Robert Johnson's, uh, Whence Came You podcast. Um, okay. 
are there other podcasts? Actually, there are tons of podcasts, but yes, I, they they <laughs> they're, they're littering my uh, my iPhone, but uh, I haven't uh, sifted through enough of them. A lot of people aren't aren't fun and have a lot of cool guests, so I don't know. They want to talk about philosophy and light and stuff. Well, we crack jokes about whatever and geese. <laughs> yeah, it's fun. Is I'm pretty sure that people have learned more from the banter of the After Lodge podcast than, well, what well, was any of the others? Oh well, it's where well, I learned my spirit of, of masonry in in the reality, the spirit, the real spirit of masonry. It's it's just this shit. Well, we have there's a healthy what? philosophical approach to what we do. When you're going to talk oh. philosophy. The most important part of it is being able to entertain an idea without accepting it. Exactly. Just, just letting it go. And we do that a lot here. <laughs> um, it's, it's just, it's good practice. But that's what I'm telling, uh, telling the purple people leaders anyway. Right. It is, it is still the best Masonic podcast. You have a super fan in my lodge. So let's say hi to Aaron. He's like, oh, oh. my God. He's hey, like, Aaron. Nice to see. Yeah. Is he? Oh, thought maybe he was on our YouTube chat, but no. I got to get in the YouTube chat. That reminds. Thanks for reminding me, Harold. Yeah, I mean that's normally John, but now I actually need John to pay attention because it's just the two of us. <laughs> and we can't have Matt running circles around us. So tell us, um, tell us about your your latest title, Matt. This uh, practical Freemasonry, which I'm holding up on my audio podcast for all of you to listen. <laughs> to me describe uh practical freemasonry accessible philosophy for working class schlubs which is the greatest slug line any book has ever had and everybody on earth loves it um yeah it's uh it when i got into freemasonry well there's a couple things um i mean i just i just really like the fraternity aspect of it i like the traditional aspect of it uh, one thing I wasn't super blown away by was the philosophy behind it. Not that it wasn't good. Uh, it's just that when it comes to this book's mostly about the, the Blue Lodge uh, working tools and the symbolism there. Okay. A few, other, a few other symbols, but it's mostly about the working tools. Um, and the problem that maybe I ran into and that I saw a lot of around me was it was either one of two things. Um, they would talk about the working tools and be like, you know, this is the uh, 24 inch gauge. Cut it up into three parts. It's really good for time management. It's like, oh, okay. That's, that's kind of cool. Uh, yeah. Or someone like dives into like a super esoteric explanation of something and all of a sudden there are like suns and phalluses just being tossed at me from the east and I'm like I know I don't know what's going on you know and I, I've since come to enjoy esoterics but at the time it was just it was a snooze fest honestly I just I, I had no idea what they were talking about and, and worse the people who were giving those papers I got the distinct impression that they didn't know what they were talking about like they they thought it was cool and it sounded cool but they didn't know why what they were saying was important to anybody in the room. Okay. Yep. And, and when it comes to the working tools, 
I think every working tool has three basic explanations. There's there's an axiomatic explanation of it, like the 24 inch gauge. You know, it can be boiled down to you know, early to bed, early to rise. You know, makes a man live healthy, wealthy, and wise. Basically, it's a, you know, it's like you know, it's it's a time management thing on an axiomatic level. Uh, on a super esoteric level, I don't I don't even know. I'm sure someone has a really cool explanation for it. Probably go over my head. But I, I think that um, there's also one in the middle that's a practical explanation where what you focus on is, first, why, why is this tool relevant to you? I mean, it's one thing when you, when you have a really great idea in the 1600s, like, hey, I got an idea. Maybe we should all treat each other the same, you know, mm-hmm. and hopefully no one will stab you for that. Uh, and that's a pretty revolutionary idea. Now it's like the first thing you learn in school. So problem with a lot of Masonic philosophy that I found is that it's really just what eventually became normal Western morality that we already know. So people don't find it mind blowing and relevant. So I, I reframed them in different ways um, that I think catch people's attention a bit better. And then I do something that no one ever seems to do that I've ever found is that as actually give people an actionable instructions on how to use this tool in your life to actually make you a better person. That's what it's about. I'm into it. I'm into it. Yeah. It's fun that you, uh, you describe it that way. So one of my uh, favorite talking points when I am one of those people giving those lectures about things that I don't know what I'm talking about Um I, I tend to lean very hard into uh, I'm not going to say Kabbalah because that doesn't necessarily fit in a Masonic context, but Kabbalistic methods can kind of be applied anywhere. So that's, that's what I know. So that's how I lean into it. And in that particular system, there's this tradition of uh, the orchard, which is uh, the Hebrew is parties, which is a, it's an acronym for, uh, for four different methods of textual interpretation, usually applied to scriptures, but it fits in these, these metaphors that you're talking about for uh, the working tools or that surface level philosophy and masonry. And, you know, there's the, the surface, the, the literal meaning. So the 24 inch gauge is divided into three parts and, you know, early to bed, early to rise. That would be the next level that, uh, so remes or the, uh, the, the deeper, th- the thing that's hinted at, so the allegory. Uh, and then beyond that, there's the, the, the derish, which is the comparing it to other things. Like how does this, how does this fit in uh, old men in the lodge giving examples of the 24-inch the gauge and, and practical experience, which... Seems like what you've uh, what you've described here, uh, taking taking those messages into a a practical out of the philosophical realm into the practical, then of course that last level, which is where Kabbalists tend to be focused, is uh, sowed, which is the like the mystery or the esoteric, the mystical meaning of of something sacred, and that's the part where it gets dangerous to start giving lectures and not knowing what you're talking about, which is why I don't give lectures on that level. 
Um, but I enjoy hearing them. Yeah. So do you do you dive anywhere in your book that's um, anywhere getting closer to that sewed level, that that mystery level? The the big, the big fancy esoteric one. Yeah. I, I don't, and I explain it in the beginning. I mean, there are there are many cool esoteric explanations available to a lot yes. of things. I, I attended... Uh, uh, Manly uh, P. Hall, Chuck's personal favorite. Yeah. yeah. Um, I, I, I went to the York Wright retreat last year, and um, Timothy Hogan was speaking. That guy's crazy in every conceivable definition of the word. I love him. Uh, and, uh, and, you know, and he, he was actually, he was talking about, you know, alchemy and its relation to Freemasonry and whether or not alchemy is encoded, like recipes are encoded in our, in our, in our rituals. And, you know, I'm all for it. You know, it's, uh, it's, I, for me, it holds enough water that, I mean, why, why did anybody make any of this stuff the way they did? You know, it, it certainly could just be a, you know, mnemonic device to, you know, maintain some sort of strange recipe to something that we're too dumb to understand. And maybe smarter people in the future will get it after a nuclear apocalypse. I don't know. You know, it's something <laughs> that's pretty cool. And, and I'll be happy to tell new candidates it's a distinct possibility. Uh, and that's why it's important to learn your damn lines. Um, <laughs> uh, is it, is it something that I wrote about here? No, because A, I don't know enough about this. I, I want to do a follow-up eventually called Practical Alchemy, but uh, or Actionable Alchemy, because Practical Alchemy literally does mean chemistry. That sounds like how you but, get on a watch list and a visit. <laughs> yeah. I was going to go with Actionable Alchemy because I love alliteration, but uh, I would have to learn a lot more about it. You know, the, the one thing that would kind of, you know, I, like I said, I was not, I was not an esoteric guy. Uh, and strangely at that at that thing i had just finished the book uh just this last fall and, and i had just finished the book i think i hit published <clears throat> hit publishing in kindle direct publishing and, and i went to that and i went to the damn uh, conference and uh and uh I listened to these things i was really actually kind of blown away by all the kind of cool uh interesting coincidences and, and the thing is that philosophically i have the mind of a uh, conspiracy theorist i like making connections spurious connections on things that probably aren't true but it makes more sense to me when i can take this thing and hook it to that thing and say look isn't that weird uh and people go that is actually kind of weird uh so I, I that's how i think about things and um and, and someone and he he was quoting i think either he or another speaker was quoting I don't even remember who they were quoting, but they had a really, really interesting quote that to me sort of uh, defined what alchemy was that made sense to me, which was that uh, it said that chemistry was the science of effects and alchemy is the science of causes. And, so, and, I, and I thought that was a really interesting thing because you know, with anything, you can really take it in the two directions. Where all this come from and where all this go. And, um, and that kind of stuff made sense to me. So I have a deep appreciation for esoteric stuff. But like I said, all I ever see, or at least I saw for a good 10 years in, in Freemasonry, was people just not understanding that because they don't have the background or because the speaker doesn't have, 
I won't even say that they don't understand it. They, they, they have a hard time communicating it. But I, I think we've all probably seen someone give some kind of lecture and, and you're just wondering, that is so cool. What does it have to do with me? How does that make me a better person? How does that make me a better Freemason? And the answer is just a blank face. You know, it's like, well, you, you get out what you put into it. It's like, oh, thanks for the cop out answer. Um, so, so my whole goal with this was to give people actionable steps to actually improve their lives and be better people. This is, I mean, I don't know if you've ever met Freemasons. A lot of them are kind of dicks. I don't know. Why. You um, don't say. I know. Really so, put my back up like you. Th- this book really was designed uh, to give to every new master mason who gets raised. Sorry, Chris O'Dap, I'm coming for you. This book is designed to be slid across the altar and say, read this. You will understand the working tools. You'll understand the philosophy. and You're going to understand the basics on how to be a decent person, how to remake yourself how to get along with your brothers and how to create a better society. So is this uh, not something you'd recommend for our initiates? I recommend, first of all, I I need you to know something. I'm a total hack. I recommend everybody on earth buy this book, Uh, no matter what stage you are in your journey. Um, I I say at the beginning, philosophy belongs to everybody. You know, so if I That's if I true. see some woman on the Reddit who's like, why don't Freemasons accept women? I say, A, we do, not us specifically, but other people. But also, here's the philosophy. Read this book. You can have it. The 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 philosophy belongs to everybody. The secret of I think of Freemasonry is belonging to a lodge. Uh if you want to belong to a lodge, if this sounds really cool, stop reading the book for a bit. Go get your degrees, and it'll be in better context for you. So that's that's what I say. But for the most part, it, it's while I don't go to great ex, I don't go to great extents here to to lay out the basics of what it is we're doing because I want to talk down to most of the readership there. Uh, anybody could read it. Anybody's going to get the, the philosophy of it. Anybody's going to get the symbolism of it, and it can improve anyone's lives. But yeah, I would definitely recommend that any new Master Mason get this book. Especially if you're going and to recommend lodge, that lodges purchase them in bulk person. to distribute. I'm sorry, what? Your lodge should purchase them in bulk so they have them ready to distribute with monitors and aprons. Uh, my, my, I think my lodge intends to. Uh, you know, it's... Uh, but uh, yeah, it's... Um, I recommend it. Nicker Buddy recommends it. He wrote a blurb on the back of my book saying that, so that was good for him. What a nice guy. Hey, Nick. He's a lawyer. Everybody knows that lawyers can be bought. <laughs> it's all about you the can't afford to buy a lawyer. Well, it depends on the lawyer. <laughs> There's broke lawyers, too. The guy with it's the patched smart. up suit coat and a flip phone standing outside district court. Maybe. Not that I know any guys like that. Yeah. <laughs> Probably you at one time. Um, it could have been. Yeah, uh, it certainly could have been. I, I dodged that bullet by uh, kind of maintaining my previous career for quite a while. But uh, yeah. Well, 
<clears throat> I, I definitely started taking those cases getting thrown at me by the public defender's office like like everyone else does. Sitting on the curb in your secretary's box in your patched up suit. I don't have a box anymore, so I got smart. Um, I bought a special extra large carrying bag that I call my briefcase, which really is just a canvas box with zippers. But now I'm not carrying the box of shame. This is the secretary's briefcase. And oh. So now it's a badge of pride instead of a uh, instead of the mark that I'm so far behind on my job. That everybody can see. What it means is I'm always so perpetually behind that I was never going to get rid of the box and I could justify buying a special lodge bag. You only have one job as a lodge secretary. And that is to find someone else to take this job off. You guys. I, I really <laughs> suck at this job, too. I suck at that. Although, uh, my replacement is on the way. He's five now, so... We'll get five now. We'll so get you have there. you have fifteen more years. Roundabouts. Oh no, he's not. He ain't going through the chairs. He's he's going straight from his master mason degree, right over the, the southeast corner. He's he's that's it. Hi guys, Chuck. Hi, Hi. Chuck. We were just talking about your uh, favorite philosopher. So. Did you get removed from office properly? I got voted out of office in two weeks as, our, as the joint annual for the chapter of the council. But I am officially no longer, well, no matter what, at the end of, uh, at the, end of the next meeting, I'm no longer a high priest because I did two years. So without dispensation, I'm automatically out of that chair. Okay. That's our belt. That's how our grand session works. So... so Sounds like you could use uh, some time with practical Freemasonry then. I have the book. Nice. Nice. Yeah. Yes. Oh, that's nice. I didn't get a signed like, pre, book, so. pre, pre, uh, pre copy, but I definitely bought it. I did appreciate the, uh, the signature and fingernail polish. That was a, that was a nice <laughs> touch. Yo, what are, we, what are you using, Eddie? <laughs> That nice is a special. Sharpie. It's very nice. Thank you. It looks very sharp. It's it's better than just black or whatever or crayon. Yeah. It means he thought of us and signed it intentionally instead of grabbing whatever his kid had handy nearby. I, I don't like I don't like signing books. So uh, so my signature is very rare. So enjoy it. So it's a stamp. stamp. You, you make it more, you know. Unique. Did you ever think of just rubbing your balls on it and being done with it? Because John's got <laughs> my some, copy John's had got, a pube in it. Because John's got some got some got some uh, fans that would definitely pay extra money for that. You didn't check the back page, did you? I see. Oh, <laughs> there's oh, a special that's... spot on it just for you. That's not a crease. <laughs> that's a mass print. All right, well, that's cool. We're good. <laughs> I was just thinking something more like you know. <laughs> Looked like an aspirin, but really small, just a testy drop. <laughs> Brian Demadio in the thanks section. What the hell? That guy doesn't count for shit. I have no idea. One of our Brian Brian Demadio from the <laughs> from all the hijinks in Minnesota for the commander stuff. He's been on the show twice, you stoner. Okay. Well. So what's uh 
what's next for Tiki Jack Publications? I know you mentioned uh, Practical Alchemy, which is how you get your federal prison sentence. But what about the uh, what about the Masonic sense? Yeah, oh, that one's way down the line. If I ever do that one, like I said, I have to learn more about alchemy. Um, yeah, it's fine. You just need some uh, alkaline batteries, some pseudoephedrine. The willingness to turn into a blue smurf. The the next book is called The Beehive. It's um, yeah, this book. Uh, my my last book, The Brickyard, is sort of like I made a fancy new cover to it. Uh, it's uh, it's like part of this kind of series of shorter, quicker books uh, that I'm planning. And The Beehive is kind of like how to cooperate in an industrious lodge. It's another sort of practical explanation of how to do that. It, based on some of the work I do with my newsletter that I do monthly, um, just, just things like how to cooperate, which seems like, oh, that's obvious, but a lot of people don't have a good idea of how to do that. Plus, it actually unpacks the, the beehive as a interesting symbol because I don't, I don't know if you know, it's not that interesting. Symbol. <laughs> it's, it's not that complicated either. Uh, so I, I, you know, in my conspiracy theorist way, I make it much more complicated than it, than it needs to be and, and thus much more useful. Um, so there's that. Uh, aside from that, though, I, I'm really just kind of working mm -hmm. on on practical Freemasonry and, and trying to get that more out there. Uh, I got to work on some presentations and so, lodges and start pushing that stuff. So you let know, me ask you this: yeah. Did you really think it's a good idea to be publishing books in this area era of the metaverse and NFTs? What's did you sell NFTs for your book? <laughs> yes. There you go. Are you prepared for the metaverse? Uh, I mean, y'all know that doesn't mean anything, but I think it has to be said, and Tony's not here to say something, except he'd be serious. I have been to the metaverse. That's so great. No, you've chased the dragon. There's a difference. <laughs> <laughs> In this metaverse you speak of, can I more effectively uh, argue with people on, on the Freemasonry Reddit? That's, that's all I want to know. You could make a Freemasonry Well, you, you've taken a sabbatical. I need more people to help me yell into the vast swath of stupidity that's been drift, drifting in there lately. And this I, is know, I'm, go I'm on still there. in and out of there just seeing some of the most bizarre stuff. And uh, I love it. It is the there best is part stuff. of Freemasonry. Um, and there's lots of trolly stuff and yeah, it's it's fun. People are really tightly wound on there a lot of times too. But uh, yeah, I like reading I, the I was, comments. Makes me was, feel was, more stable. I was mocking Chuck Eye uh, today just because he's like sucking all the fun out of Freemasonry when he was like, someone's like, "Hey, I felt a calling to to to." to read these books and everything could that be a thing and people are like no it's not and i'm like oh let it be a thing let people be a thing why why would anybody want to do anything interesting if you're gonna make everything so boring? if you're gonna cut it down if you if, like, please don't turn uh, us into a rotary let people club be. right yeah. imagine for christ's sake why cut people's imagination down there's no reason people, to do that either have a little magic in their lives it's cool unless it's manly uh, people um, in which case that guy uh, sorry, they're they're all great, but you know, yeah. I, I was actually, uh, you know, there's, there's 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 common arguments that of course still come up 
years later after I first got on the Reddit. You know, that they're they're not yelling at women nearly as much. That's interesting. That's a nice advancement, I suppose. Oh, yeah, uh, I, I, I've gotten yeah. some guys who are like, why are we such a sexist organization? I'm like, I don't think you know what that word means. Yeah, as an organization, we don't so actively have- try to take down women. We just don't want them involved in what we do. I mean, yeah, that, that, yeah like, why... Yeah. Why doesn't your church let Muslims join? Uh, well, we're Christians, so we actually would, but they have to convert. Well, well, and so in a lot of lodges, it's kind of the same thing, right? We'd admit women, but they, they have to convert. Now, that you're, now, Harlan, we should just stop before we get in trouble. We're gonna get- and by convert, oh. I mean hardware and software. <laughs> uh, I think the software part's a bit harder. Uh, they're, they're not. They're not. <laughs> <quite> <laughs> <bad>. <laughs> we should be pretty damn bad about that. I mean, but you know, yes. in the sense of, you know, it's like, you know, women Freemasons or not real Freemasons and everything, and it's just like, uh, you know, that doesn't matter. It's no. like, don't invite them to your lodge. I don't care. You right. know, it's uh, if you don't but, like them, don't uh, they're still there. Yeah. Well, we, we did have yeah, one time. People like, like, you know, it's like, you're not in my rule set, so therefore you don't exist. Well, there, yeah. there was one guy who actually came in and was like, hey, um, do you think you'd be in any independent bodies without being a Mason? And we're all kind of like, no. <laughs> and they come out and said, like, in a post a couple days later, like, hey, I think I'm an atheist now, but I really like the Scottish Rite, and the Scottish Rite has nothing to do with Blue Lodge, so... Why can't I demit from Blue Lodge and still be a Scot in, in the Scottish Rite? We're all kind of like, um, because they, they do build on the Blue Lodge, and we don't own philosophy, so you can go to a library and read. Well, and, and like when you think about it, in the long and the short of it, if you feel that way, just shut your mouth and go to Blue Lodge. Like, the honest answer yeah. is, it, unless it bothers you to hear other people talk about their faith, and you still want to have the fellowship of the people you're with, and are still willing to keep, you know what I mean? Like, oh, that's fine. Go to Blue Lodge <laughs> and just don't don't tell people. You don't believe God well, the After Lodge podcast does not condone religious insincerity or lying to your oh, I'm sorry, bio mission. Um, if I'm you sorry. chose to do that, you would be doing it of your own accord and not acting on the advice of anyone here. I'm sorry. You know, that being said, this. you could absolutely do that and get away with it, but we do not condone it. Yeah, we, had a, we had a big debate about that don't in my condone it. We're serious. We don't condone this. Don't <laughs> no. lie to your brothers. No, we, we had a big debate in Lodge uh, about that once, uh, just in, in our own after Lodge, as if, if a, a brother who was a believer when he came in and then lost his faith, could he still attend Lodge? without breaking any of his word. Uh, and and we determined that on a, on a strict reading of all the rules, he could keep attending Lodge because it was really only a requirement when he became a Mason that he believed in God. No. But, but no, I'm not done. There is one thing. The only time that they ask you if you still have faith in God is if you have to get past the Tyler, if he doesn't know you. 
he will actually he will make you recite i mean he's supposed to make you recite a particular pledge in which you affirm your faith in god that would be the only time you are technically lying everything else is just a lie by omission. but that kind of logic is how my jurisdiction got into this nonsense where you got guys packing guns in lodge because it's only technically prohibited at your initiation it's it's and then people get shot. My lodge is in a kind of shitty part of town, though, so we really want everyone to pack heat. That's yeah. where your Tyler's for. Can't yeah, your Tyler can watch your, your weapon at the door. You don't need to take it into your Tiled Lodge. G- give you're, your you're, Tyler you're a not squad automatic Tyler. weapon. I've, I think I've had have one two Tylers Tyler for both players. Have a weapon cabinet outside your lodge. Everybody can lock their weapons in there. Yeah. The Tyler has a weapon to, to protect them all. I feel like I'm fast becoming the minority in my jurisdiction on this particular issue, but oh, in your jurisdiction, yeah, and go go figure. Like the most libertarian guy in the craft is the one saying, "Leave your gun at the door. It's not a pacifier. You'll live without it for 30 minutes." We have a Tyler. Our Tyler's usually very well armed. You're gonna be fine. Meanwhile, I've attended the lodge armed. Multiple times. Nothing's worse than seeing the master like lean over to pick something up off the altar, and his his fucking Glock sticking out of his waistband, and you're like, God. Well, it's just so, John. So, John, if you went, but if you went to lodge and they knew you were carrying a firearm, and they said, "We would like you to leave the firearm outside the lodge," you wouldn't put up a stink, would you? No, I I wouldn't anymore. Now that I'm that's not, the difference. If I was an LEO, if I was still doing the LEO stuff, especially the federal side stuff, it'd be like, no, it's too bad. I actually can carry wherever I want. Um, you can, but just because you can doesn't mean that you. Well, it's like, you know, I can slap kids too, but just because I can doesn't mean I should. Right. Like um, I've been to one of my favorite lodges to visit is a cop lodge that's just like full of cops. They have a special locker outside the lodge room. Guys are coming in in uniform and checking their firearm before they go in the lodge yeah, that. in Texas. That says something right there. Yeah. These uh, debates, which are kind if of there was somebody where Michael dead hands would apply, it'd be Texas. What's that, man? So, they are the fun of Freemasonry for a lot yeah. of us. <laughs> and well, it's so, kind of sad. It's like, it's like, look, should an atheist be a Freemason? No, an atheist should not be a Freemason. Should a person come to uh, come to Lodge Armed? No, a person should not come to Lodge Armed. A true atheist but probably shouldn't be a Freemason. the particulars of it, and we, it also has to make room for some practicality. Uh, yep. And just because, you know, people break rules. I, that's a good point. I've always said, if you go to a Lodge and you see a bunch of guys that are, like, yelling at each other about about Lodge things, that's that's a good sign. Because it means that you have a lodge of guys who care enough about the craft to engage in those debates. It's the lodges where everybody seems to be getting along and they just shrug it off. That that maybe not is a good sign. It depends on yeah, the big I mean, yeah. Like if they're sitting there arguing over which brand of toilet paper to have, or you know, that's that's not a, that's not the craft. That's that's Sunday night making yeah. the grocery list at my house. I, I could do that at home. Yeah. It's like they say, hate is not the opposite of love. The opposite of love is indifference. So, so we have a bunch of people that are just like, "Eh, whatever. That's when you have a problem. So now I I love, I love the debates about like atheists and and stuff like that. Now for me, uh, like, again, when it comes down to, you know, practical things, people ask me about 
atheist, or even just various, you know, various types of religious or moral philosophy. And and I I make the I make the case I make it in the book too that um, <clears throat> that the the tools, especially like the square, have a specific point of view about this stuff. You know, they, masonry doesn't tell you what to think. Um, they don't tell you what to believe. They don't tell you what your morality should be, only that you should have morality. They don't tell you the uh, what, they I tell you the that, how. Yeah, but I, I do think that masonry comes from a particular point of view, just like a lot of our rituals come from, you know, uh, a, a view of, you know, stories and, and, and philosophy that pops up a lot, you know, it, it's, it, I would say a lot of our, a lot of the moral teachings are pulled away more from Judaism than they're pulled from Christianity. That's just my point of view. Um, but, um, but like, like, like with atheists or even people who, you know, like, uh, Buddhists or et cetera, et cetera. Like I, I have this, I have this debate um, about objective morality versus subjective morality. And this, this comes up in, in the book, too. It, it, for me, it's not that uh, people of, you know, of non-religious faiths or people who don't believe in, like, a creator God exactly or people who don't believe in objective morality can't get anything out of Freemasonry. There's so much in Freemasonry that will apply to you. I, I, I would think, though, that in many ways the teachings make... I think a better sense or come from a direction where it does come from an idea of like an objective truth kind of thing. I, I make this case in, um, in, uh, in the square. So, you know, the, the normal image, the, the normal symbolism of the square is, you know, teach people to act on the square. Well, that's kind of like redundant, you know, <laughs> it's not very descriptive of what that means. Everyone sort of has an idea of what acting on the square means. You know, it's it's been an axiom in society for a long time. Uh, me, I, I liken it to um, to I, I use this parable in the book about um, about craftsmen making giant stone blocks for the pyramids. Right. So you have you have two craftsmen. Uh, they're making giant stone blocks. One craftsman is just this normal, wily craftsman who does what he's told. The other craftsman's this big, hulking, caveman, Neanderthal kind of craftsman and everything. And, and what's the measure they use for all the stones in the pyramid? You know, they're using the royal cubit, which is the measure of the pharaoh's arm from his fingertip to like the crook of his elbow or something. Uh, so anybody could, could use, I mean, a cubit was basically that length for anybody. But the royal cubit was the pharaohs. That was the official one. When you can, when you can take uh, a measurement and universalize it like that, it becomes very useful. Uh, then if everyone's building their blocks according to the lengths of this royal cubit, they'll all look the same and they'll all fit in the same way. And that is morality. You have done it correctly because it works. It literally fits. Uh, but then I, I use this parable where this big cavemanish guy is just kind of dumb or maybe too independent and he uses his own. And because he's just this big hulking guy with these big, you know, ape arms, he, his cubit's way too big. So he makes this huge block. And so he's wrong morally in terms of this thing. He's doing it incorrectly. He's doing it wrong. 
these guys are doing it right. He's doing it wrong. So then the Pharaoh comes around and he looks at all the cubits. He's expect he's inspecting all the stones. He sees the normal ones. He's like, that's pretty cool. He sees this giant one. And because he's the Pharaoh, he's like, this one's awesome. I like this one. This is the right way to do it. Now, all the other guys are wrong. That's because the Pharaoh, while he is the objective standard in this little world, he can change his mind. Just like anybody when when you kind of base your morality on like, oh, it's what I feel in my heart. It's like, okay, well, you can change your mind. So that's a subjective uh, philosophical analysis. It's, it's subjective to how you feel or what you want to accomplish. And so what I bring up with, with the square is that the square is not just a measuring tool. Tool is just a shortcut. It's just a piece of metal or wood designed to be a shortcut for um, a geometric proof. Now, and the geometric proof is basically a squared plus b squared equals c squared, right? So, and the thing about a squared plus c squared equals a squared plus b squared equals c squared is that that is universally true. That is true everywhere. That doesn't require anybody's opinion. You can say you're. You can say, in my opinion, that is wrong. You will lose because if you try to build a wall using your own version of geometry. It's just going to fall apart. Right. So geometry is the proof that there is literal truth in that there's objective truth of something at all. There is objective truth in the universe. And that is arithmetic. So are you telling me that you hate those smarmy freshman engineering students who'd like to tell you that pi is practically three and it's good enough? (laughs) (laughs) Pi is exactly three. Uh, it's just um, no it's not it's it's just it's it's a good way to illustrate uh for me that that yeah you you can you can you can get anything you want out of freemasonry but there are some things that are, are objective and because they're objective and because we can find them and because they apply to everybody and that's the square the plumb and the level those are those three things uh that you can take that and build anything. And when you apply that to people like we do with our working tools, you know, that I, I can, I can, there is the right thing to do. In other words, I can find morality. I can have character. There, there is, uh, you know, it does apply to everybody. That's the level. I can, I, I need to have empathy to, to apply these things to all these people. Uh, and, and there is, you know, ethics because I can find all this stuff. I horizontal like ethics is like a like a horizontal honor system that Masonry is. You know, the difference made between morality and ethics is that morality is is right and wrong. That kind of comes from a vertical way, from like kind of top down. You learn it from God or your teachers or your parents. Uh, ethics is where you're learning what is right and wrong from your brothers or from your from the army or from your workplace or something. That's that's where you get those ethics, and that's where you're judged by. You get all three of these things right, and you've learned how to interact with people. So that's that's kind of what I do there. But it all comes from these weird, pedantic-ass arguments that I got into on Reddit, and I still like having. So. I've stunned you all in the silence. It's horrible. Yeah, I'm... I'm trying to think of a way to pick at you and insult you and say, wait, Chuck does, and I can't because I'm not intelligent enough to do so. So the next thing yeah, I can yeah. do is sit here no, no, and stare no. at you and go, uh, the, the secret, uh, The secret is you just have to completely ignore everything he said, set up a straw man, and then insult him for it. 
That's, oh, the, that's like the Chuck Tony. technique. Oh, that's the Chuck technique. I thought that was yeah. Tony. No, 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 Tony's the Tony's the. I just don't. Comment arguments on Reddit, like. Oh, Reddit's fun. Because I actually use like facts. No. You accused me of defending Nazis for your own amusement. <laughs> yeah, but that, you're a lawyer, and you would if they pay, they paid you enough. <sighs> anyway. <laughs> By the way, you didn't you didn't just say no I wouldn't for any dollar amount, so Listen, Chuck, I would try for certain well, dollars. That's because That's because I mean if you wanna if you wanna go at it in the legal sense, I, I have defended skinheads, but that's that's because I, in our society it's important that the worst among us be afforded the protections against the state. Because if if we don't make the state abide by its own rules to catch the pedophiles and the skinheads, then then it's it's just a, a skip and a jump away to you and I. So that's exactly what <clears throat> Nazi sympathizers just say. Yeah, that's how you do it, Jamie. That's the uh, yeah yeah that's right. That's the right. way you do it, Jamie. You just have to be like me, an asshole. But by but, the way. I would never actually accuse someone of the things I've accused Harlan of if they weren't Harlan. Because I know him. See, see this Chuck, conversation is an example of something that vocabulary is sorry. So, yeah. yeah. Like, I'm busting Harlan's balls because he's my brother. And I can do that. But if you do it... Uh -oh. No, you, you can bust my balls. You guys do it all the time. No, I meant... I mean, it's the, like, I can punch my brother, but if you do it, we're going to have a problem. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. You, you I can hit my brother. My brother can hit me. If you hit either one of us, we're both going to hit you. That's... It's, that no, it's like, that, like that line from uh, Animal House. He can't treat our pledges like crap. Only we can treat our pledges like crap. <laughs> me, me against my brother. Me and my brother against a stranger. Me and my brother against, and a stranger against aliens or something. Yeah, something like that, yeah. Yeah. Aliens. Ah, good old human tribalism. Yeah. Nothing yeah. wrong with little tribalism. Uh, Freemasonry is in many ways based on, on tribalism. It, it is one of the three Very things much so. that, that we focus on. You know, the self, the tribe, and society. So, you know, yes. again, mm -hmm. three things I talk about in my book. I mean, being a, being a tribe in, unto ourselves is, uh, is very much a thing as well. Because it's important. You got to have your people yeah that you trust and uh sometimes that trust you even when it's misguided and misplaced uh good times <laughs> misguided and misplaced again crickets <laughs> yeah i was i was i was teeing it up and then tony wasn't here to take the swing yeah yeah well you know which I'm pretty sure he wanted to be here because um, he may have been the the one that that enjoyed your book the most. Oh yeah, I'd believe it. Yep. Well, I had because you sent uh, an extra copy, which I think was supposed to be. Who was the third one for? I I, who, I don't know who were the first two for. Well, there was Bruce and I. And okay. then there was the other one. So we did, the other one ended up at the lodge. 
and then it disappeared. Yeah, it was probably Tony, either a pass around or give it to Jason or something like that. I don't know. Tony grabbed it and uh, legit. So I was hoping he'd be here also because, you know, he does the best at making our uh, making our pals feel welcome and want to come back in a hurry. <laughs> yes. It's his lack of clothing. <laughs> Tony's <coughs> Tony's um, our lodges investigating committee. Basically, you come to visit us and then after dinner with Tony, if you come back again, that's when you get a petition. Because then we know that you're going to fit. If he yeah, can make that, you stay. Them coming back is a, is a, is a crucial indicator. Yeah. Tony's yeah. job is to chase off the week. Yes. Or the people who are just too, too full of themselves or too uptight or too high strung as, as we were talking about our, our fellow Redditors. Um, <clears throat> very good at weeding those guys out. Yeah. Hey, question. Are you guys taking advantage of that be a Freemason site? No. You know what it is? Uh, no. It's it's actually shockingly interesting. Uh, so it, it was it's a, it's a website like beafreemason.org. The, the Northern Masonic jurisdiction is the one that made that. That's why Harlan's a black falling it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's actually pretty good. Um, <laughs> I've heard now, that from other people. It's done by the Shriners too, because I know everybody's a big fan of the Shriners. I'm sure. Well, yeah. yeah, no, it's it's actually pretty good. Um, I'm in the North jurisdiction, so obviously we use it. It's it works. Yeah, I you know I talked to I talked to our Grand Secretary. He said that, um, you know, the Grand Lodge would just the Grand Secretary himself would get probably one inquiry a week or so on membership, and that thing got him up to like five inquiries a day and then they distribute them to all the other lodges that they think are maybe the closest to them and, and the problem is a, a lot of a lot of people kind of drop the ball on that you know it's like oh good i got a referral you know it's it's like it's like Glenn Gary glenn ross or something these leads are weak it's like it's you know it's like it's like you got you got to close some of these things but uh, but it's it's not the easiest thing in the world you know uh, it might just because it might be because it's just a lot easier to submit a form on the website than you know go through the rigmarole of contacting a lodge. But um, yeah, it's I'm I'm sort of the the contact guy. I'm alone. Everybody's gone off camera. Um, excuse me. But <coughs> getting over a cold. But I mean, I, uh, I'm have the contact guy in High Lodge for new guys, and um, yeah, I can have great conversations with a lot of them and. Invite them to dinners and everything, and, and it's really cool. But sometimes it just, it just like, like you, you you emailed us, can you answer a text? You know, it's freaking tough. Yeah that that was one of the the biggest adjustments to being the lodge secretary. So in our lodge, that's you're the de facto guy for those new inquiries, and I used to get really hung up on yeah exactly that. Like you, you called me like, why am I chasing you down now? So then I just stopped. Uh, the problem is then somebody says something to the master about like, well, the guy I was talking to never, never got back with me. You know, you, you get one voicemail and a text. And then if, if you, if that's it, then that's it. I'm not going to don't care enough to keep going. Then, then <laughs> see you later alligator. Oh, we, we, we don't chase them. We don't chase them down at my lodge. If they, if they, if, you know, we have guys like we can't schedule their investigation. Um, 
or, you know, and we're kind of like, hey, like, and we had one guy, like, I played phone tag with him, and the secretary played phone tag with him for, like, three weeks to, like, hey, like, kind of want to schedule this. And then he got all pissy about being, like, really busy. And, and I finally got a hold of him, and he's, like, yelling at me. And I was like, um, dude, not for nothing, but uh, you knocked on our door. And he was like, well, what's that got to do with it? And I was just like, okay. Okay, door's closed. Bye. Yeah. yeah. I was like, all right. Dodge the bullet. Hey, you know, we were kind of going on that, like, you know, we're not going to chase people either. And for the most part, we do not. But but you have a lot of the more marketing-oriented people in Grand Lodge who very markety people and they're like well, yeah it takes a minimum of three tries to get a hold of some of these people and i don't know if that's just a sign of the times because i'm old or something or if that's a sign that they're not good candidates or if that's just how things go now when no I, it, no it doesn't when i petition my lodge i sat next to my phone for like the whole 28 days it took just itching for it to ring I answered so many telemarketing calls thinking it might be one of the guys from the lodge that, yeah, I think I, Look, I it, it, it's once like, it's not hard to first, like if I call a guy a prospect, like, Hey, we'd like you to come to dinner before this, on this date to meet the guys. And you're going to have to do this a couple of times. And then, you know, we'll see how, make sure you're a good fit for one masonry and to our lodge i have sent guys to other lodges in the region because i thought they'll be a better fit there i'm not opposed to that um yeah that's the other thing too like th that's our meeting night so if you're always busy on our meeting night what are you doing <laughs> well, I, well i had one i had one guy who's like why well, work night shift and i'm like okay well um let me show you a daylight lodge nearby. Yeah, yeah. we we don't have any more really. Oh, we those are those are mostly those are mostly defunct here, and even in the actual western Pennsylvania, a lot of them don't exist anymore because the mills don't really run graveyard shifts anymore. So, um, yeah. I'm not saying I mean I'm not saying I'd be opposed to it if they did, but you know I I get the at least in my state I you know even the 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 grands guys are all are all absolutely like on board with this whole. Nah, these guys can like come to a couple meetings, get to know us before we let them in because it's a lot of it's a lot of work to bring a guy in, only to have him you know never show up or disappear. It's kind of like okay, cool. Well, now what? Well, like so, we have an EA who's at the end of May is going to be getting his fellow craft. Um. So we're allowed to, on the degree night, not do um, the second and third lecture for the EA because it makes the night a very, very long night, especially depending on how. But they have to get it before they get the next degree. And I did it at the next meeting, and then he couldn't make it. And I was like, hey, dude, like, you guys did this. He, he, he told me last night to me, he's like, master, he's like, what's he called? He said, worshipful. Like, he's like, just let me know where and then, and I, I'll show up and like we can go over. That's the kind of guy I want. By the way, mm -hmm. this guy also was helping out in like our, uh, in our actual uh, like public events and coming to dinners. Like he was coming around for six months. 
before he even got a before he were able to vote him in, let alone do a degree. That's a long time. Like that's a lot it, of commitment. It, it, it wasn't intentional. I mean, he just he came in, <laughs> you know, when we weren't. He started coming around, like you know, really started coming like, right before he went dark for the summer, and then we have we have summer events, and he was at all of them. So, but I mean, that, that's a lot of commitment from him and showing that he's actually interested in, and wanted, you know, that's nice to see. Yeah. And yeah. that's where our, our, some of our Grand Lodge direction has actually been good, where, where they're like, we would encourage uh, lodges to meet with the person three times before ever giving them a petition and including meeting with their spouse, which, which honestly, the, the, the you know, my, my, my wife and our girlfriend isn't super excited about me joining is like the biggest red flag for me nowadays. Yeah, yeah, no, we we've had we've had some guys, you know, we we have some older past masters who are like, well, um, they might not feel comfortable being at their house. And we're like, well, they're gonna be our brothers, so like, and we all throw a barbecue. So at some point, guys will see my house. And again, yes, if his wife, I mean, and to be fair, like I think I speak for most of us, the majority of our wives and girlfriends could give less of a f- about masonry. Like, like literally, they. My, my ex-wife and I disagreed on a lot of things. She never cared I was going to lodge. She's like, okay, well, at least I know you're going to lodge. You're going to come home late, but you're going to do the dishes, and you're hanging out with those idiots, and they're harmless. But, by the way, never leave me alone, Eastern Star, or the Beauceant, or the, the Duke Rent again. <laughs> you're, my, my wife is the kind of opposite. She hates any organization that excludes people by sex, including sororities and anything that's male or female, like has a hate on. But she understands what Freemasonry means to me and what I get from it and lets it be. It's it's my thing. She lets it be. But but I mean if she if she had any if she had any say, it would be no. Yeah. So no like yeah, no I, scouting I, I, I for your kids. And... She but but she married but she married me. <laughs> Before I became a, after I became a Freemason, so she oh, knew it was part of my life. She knew, you know, that that was already accepted at that point. Yeah, a lot of these guys so, I'm running into are just like, yeah, my my girlfriend's not too hot on it, or my wife isn't really sure, or something like that, and it always inevitably turns into a, a serious problem, like yeah, either before or after they join, and and it's not. Like it's not like a blackballing thing or anything, but it's just like yeah, this is gonna be this is gonna be a sticking point. Um, and you know, and the thing is, because like, like, why can't women join for Mason? It's just like I, I was just fielding this question on the Reddit the other day. You know, for my my general answer is they can go find one. You know, they exist. I'm sorry, they don't exist very many of them. I you know, I kind of use Harlan's line. You know, it's like it's not our job to make lodges for women you know, or organizations for women, you know, they can do it themselves. They know how to build things. Uh, yes. But, but definitely just very capable <laughs> women think what we do is dumb. Like, like universally, yeah. anytime I've ever met a girl, my wife or anybody, it was like, it's like, you just think it's dumb. And it's like, someone asked me, why do they think it's dumb? I'm just like, I don't know. I think it's pretty cool. Because like, women, are, women are from Venus and men are from Mars. Okay. And that's just how it's always been. Um, yep. Well, with the, the women thing too, like, you know, I've said, said my piece many times on the women's only lodges and how I am more 
willing to accept their them than the the Cohens. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, agree. Um, however, I've also found that many of the women, at least that I've run into in the seventeen years I've been a Mason, they're not mad that it's not that they want to be Masons any more than they want to be on like the football team. It's just that they don't want to be told they can't. It's, it's more along the lines of like, it's like, well, you can go join that thing over there. That thing allows women, that thing allows men and women. And they're the same as us. Like we could do that, but because we exist, well, that's something I can't do. And I'm like, well, there's things I can't do either. Like, you know, like join the women's Olympic swimming team. Listen, man, we are a fraternity. There are sororities. Period. But that's really is is that is that? I mean, I know I know it's there's more to it than that. But the reality of it is, on paper, that's what we are. It, it makes it, a lot of sense in a college context, especially. Again, but I mean, but it does. It, 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 the world, the world Jamie, still has segregation by sex. It doesn't matter what you do. Again, these this is this is not a new thing. Like you know, when the Elks and the Moose went co-ed, and the Ladies Auxiliaries became full members, they didn't see a giant increase in their membership. Not when true. Odd Fellows. Okay, and go. Are we on? On yes. Okay, action. So, okay, Harlan can fix this in post. Um, so when the Elks and the Moose went co-ed and their ladies auxiliaries became not ladies auxiliary, but full members, they didn't see an increase in membership. When the odd fellows went co-ed and the Rebecca's became full on members of the odd fellows, they didn't see an increase in membership. Like, in fact, a lot, both those organizations saw dips because sometimes men and women don't want to hang out with the other sex. Yeah. Period. It's, it's one of the first things so I, I tell people too, which is we, 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 the reason we're in an all male fraternity is because we wanted to be, and we get to be, that's reason one. Yeah. You know, the, there's other reasons. And, and, and I, I will push women only Freemasonry and I, I will even push, uh, co-ed, you know, Freemasonry because, you know, and, and I tell people, I tell people, I, I, I've never, I've never seen like a Ladroit Humane Lodge have a fish fry to keep their doors open. You know, I've never seen, you know, it's like, I, I just don't see it. And, and I, I think that in, in many ways, a lot of these, you know, hyper specific, very small, uh, Lot grand lodges and everything. I mean, if you're gonna if you're gonna spend all the efforts to go make one of these lodges in your community, you're going there to do the work. So that's great. You're not going there to just throw back some beers. So yeah. don't. It's it's well, not it a lesser uh, thing. More it's just not community. something I get to go visit. No, I, if somebody's putting together an affinity lodge, they have obvious skin in the game because they are purpose driven. Oh, I mean, you saw that. I mean, those guys in in England, 
you know, just made like the science fiction and fantasy lodge, and it, their pen is amazing. And, <laughs> yeah. And the number of guys on Reddit who were frothing at the mouth over the concept of an affinity lodge, like it's somehow, and again, this is one of the reasons I don't like a lot of people in the TO movement, Harlan accepted, is because they get mad. It's like, well, my lodge is doing its own thing, and this is what we want to do. No, f*** you. You got to do what we do. So, no, we don't. Wait, like, we say like, that? That's, that's the whole... That's the whole point. Like, I, like this notion that the Infinity Lodge somehow lessens the craft makes you a wanker. Yeah, I mean, but, for me, it's just like, can, can we have anything, like, literally anything that makes anybody excited? As long as it doesn't, like, you know, break the major tenets of Freemasonry. Uh, Agreed. You know? So it's like, yeah, let's try things. Let's try things unless you want to die. You know, maybe let's try lowering the the number to to number of brothers to start a lodge in my state from like I don't know is it what is it, John's like twelve? Is it twenty four? I think it might be twenty four. Twenty four non uh, non elected uh, masons. Like like if you're elected officer anywhere, you cannot sign the charter. That is prohibitive. I tried starting a lodge, you know, with, with Nick. Uh, we tried, it was a, it was a kind of an infinity lodge. It was like a dinner lodge. Oh, the and it wasn't lodge. like it was impossible. It was just really hard. So, Well, Nick said it's uh, uh, Pete Thomason tried to do an esoteric lodge a handful of years ago, and I was mm-hmm. on, I was part of the group. Of very lodge, loosely, but, was, yeah. Was and that didn't, that fizzled just because we set the bar so high to start a new lodge. And that's something I think I think we've even tried to even some of us tried to get those rules uh, loosened up and you know at Grand Lodge and they're like nope and now I think probably like five or six years after that where they're looking at the membership numbers I think it might be an easier sell nowadays honestly yeah um, I hope so. I just I hope I mean even even when it comes to even when it comes to the work I, I'm sort of in favor of if this is good legal work in any jurisdiction let a person do it. Uh, and custodians, instead of their job being to guard every single syllable of it, to just just understand that you're doing genuinely good work, you know that should just that that's my opinion. Uh, because yeah, I mean, for some people, the ancient penalties do speak to them better. My my original lodge, they love that, you know. And some people like they don't give a shit, and that's fine, you know. As long as we're still doing Freemasonry, let people try things, and then maybe I don't know people will be excited to join because the people in the lodges will be excited to do it. Exactly. Cause that excitement breeds excitement. It just, it does. And the people will talk with enthusiasm about lodge and that, well, you know, it. Well, that's why we have so many people go through lot up here, at least anyway, we have so many people that go through blue lodge to get to the shrine. Cause you know, the shrine, the shrine club, you've got to have like six guys and, like fill out one piece of paper and that's it. Nobody gives two shits afterwards. I mean, I'm still in a shrine club. I'm not in the shrine <laughs> anymore. But I'm still a de facto member of a of a shrine club. because uh, it was an affinity group. Speaking of candidates. Be fairly when you when you take away like ignoring the shrine, like the tall series of Lebanon, like 
are a Masonic supper club. That's what they are. Like I'm joining at the end of the month. They travel. The one that's near me traveled. They they go to different restaurants four times a year in the region and get together and their wives come and then, then they have their little meeting and then they make new guys once a year. Like, And I'm like, I like to eat. And I was like, well, where's the region? They, they said they put you show me the state, map of the state. And I'm like, there's a lot of good restaurants here. And they're like, they're like, they're like, they're guys, they're like, we have guys who will travel 45 minutes to an hour to try a new restaurant. I mean, as long as it's not like Golden Corral or something like that. It's going to be like a real restaurant, right? <laughs> but but that's, 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 an, the Tall Series of Lebanon are an affinity Masonic organization. The Grotto is a affinity Masonic organization. Yeah. Like, like the After Lodge the, podcast is, is an affinity not. Masonic organization. I mean, no, we're not, are we? No, we're, we know we don't. It's a concordant body. There's a difference. I mean, we're, <laughs> we're a bunch of that get together with a shared purpose. But yeah, that's, like it, well, that's kind of it. There, there used to be a lot more things like that where guys from the lodge or other lodges would just kind of get together and do things like research lodges. Like my state's got two research lodges. Those are those are affinity lodges. Like you have to be a master mason to be a member, and you can't be an officer until you like have sat in that chair and lodge. Like, so you can't be the master of that lodge. You've never been a master. Like, cause, and they can't make new candidates and they don't make new guys. Like they, they write papers, they present papers and it's hmm. a good time. Like that's well, what I, that. Anybody that grosses about, you know, not liking infinity lodge. Well, I just, I would point out what the f do you think every military lodge on the planet is? Who's, I guess yeah, I'm confused yeah, about yeah. who's doing this complaining about affinity lodges. Yeah, who's yeah, who's actually bitching about it? Like besides the, like trolls on Reddit who probably aren't even probably people just screaming at Jack. There's no, the there's no there's guys on the site who've been around for a while now who you know really don't like that they exist. They they think it's some like and I I think a lot of that is some of these guys out there have turned like Freemasonry into their religion, and now that it's got dogmatic properties, and well, it now becomes Protestants versus Catholics. So, but and like I'm not making this up. Like I'm not. But talking there about are anything. there are affinity churches. Like I'm, I'm confused <laughs> about what the issue is. Well, I mean, for, for, for the things I've seen uh, online, and I think in my own jurisdiction, I, there there's a feeling among some people that it's a, it'll either cheapen Freemasonry because, oh, look, you're going to Freemasonry, you're going to your lodge, but you're dressed up like Darth Vader. It's like, oh, that, that's not Freemasonry. So, so they, uh, those people think it's cheap. I think a lot of people think it's, it's threatening. Uh, in many of the same ways that people, you know, often kind of resent maybe some of the rites or shrine because people go there and then they stop going to their blue lodge. That's what I was thinking. They're not considering affinity lodges to be blue lodges. And in a sense... Uh, because in many ways, affinity lodges are, are often, I think they're often required to be a secondary lodge. It just sort of becomes like an appended body. And so people are worried about drawing attention away from them. I, I know that, I mean, at least I, I surmised from looking at some of the rules involving new lodges in Minnesota. It's not just the numbers. It's like you have to get permission to open from the lodges territorially around you, too, or at least you did. I'm not sure if you still do. 
I mean, a lot of this stuff was, was enacted when there were tons of lodges in our golden age, and it was more of a territorial thing. And Matt, they didn't to be want... fair, if I showed up to lodge in Darth Vader outfit, as long as I could get my apron on, they wouldn't care. Um, oh, so, they care. Know, it just not in the same. They're not going to tell you to leave. They're going to make fun of you. Gonna, no, no, they probably. Yeah, they're going to so, laugh. So, so care about your mental health and well being. As long they as you know, mental health and well being. As yes. long as you come to lodge, you don't smell bad. Most of us are okay. Master, you. Uh, I no, there's, no always been a, there's always been a streak that I've seen in Freemasonry where. Um, People reject this notion that different lodges are different. You know, all lodges right. are the same. All lodges should be the same. And we should eventually just all just keep merging until there's just one huge lodge in the middle of town and everybody else can go fuck off. You know, and that's just not how anything works. But you know, that's people like who they like. But that's the direction that everything takes. So not not Weird. just Freemasonry, it's uh, well, I, I usually explain to the new guys when they start scratching their head when they first start discovering Grand Lodge and what's going on with that. And, and my explanation about Confederate bodies, this is this is how they work. There's always this drive for more centralization, more central definition, more top down. You're going to be what we say you are until the whole thing just collapses and starts over again, whether that's nation states so or, or, or Masonic lodges, uh, churches that band together into their church associations that eventually become like, you know, the Southern Baptist convention, no matter what it is, whenever different units of something start to associate together, there's this pressure, even though everybody knows that it's not going to work, but they, it happens every time. Uh, and I, I think what you're describing is that that some a lodge that's different from my lodge threatens my ambition for whatever dominance of masonry means in my jurisdiction, where everybody ends up being like my lodge. And you're I, all doing it wrong. And I think it's very nice for where I am in that I can't say how long this has been true because I've only been in the state for ten years, but. Uh, it seems like about, about eight years ago, the, we had the Grand Lodge do some stuff, and and not necessarily it wasn't that no one that we didn't necessarily disagree with it. It was the manner in which they did it, where he went, "I'm the Grand Master, we're doing this. Screw you." And come Grand Lodge next year, the craft rose up and went, F- "You." And since then, all the appended bodies have been kind of very reminded, and all the leadership, of which the fourth is one, and for some reason I will be one at one point in one of these bodies. No accounting for taking. Oh, you just got kicked out. No, I no no I resigned. No, I it was I was only, I could have been happy to have been asked like, can you still do this? And I went no. No, I no I guess got. I got voted out of being high priest. That's different. But my, my, my point was, is that, you know, um, around here, and, and so it's also mostly true for the states up near me, is that the craft run the bodies. Like, like the leadership are there to help us out when we got problems or 
deal with things at the state and the interstate level. Like they're not there to tell us that you're, you're doing it wrong. Like it's more like, Hey, are your books in order? Are your tax forms in order? Like I inspected the council, you know, a couple weeks ago. It was our guy's first meeting in person in two years. Like it wasn't on Zoom or hybrid. It was the first time they did ritual. Like they were like, yeah, we had to like read from the book. And I'm like, yeah, that's fine. You guys opened. You received me all right. And guess what? Your books are in order and your IRS tax forms are good. You're fine. Trust me. You are way better than some other guys. At least you guys, because also for our listeners out there, if you lose your special status with the IRS, I can tell you that my lodge did this a couple years ago. It's a real pain in the ass to get all that set up again. Yep. A real. And it's not like you, it's not like uh, when I say a pain in the ass, I don't mean like a, oh, this is going to take a, a month or so. This is, it's going to take you like two years. Yeah. And then you lose all your benefits, like the ability to go to Restaurant Depot wow. or other things because you lost your, and it's a it's a postcard, folks. It's a damn postcard. Yeah, <laughs> it's like it's it's the paperwork, like yeah, and making sure your books are ordered. Make sure you have multiple. Make sure you don't have you know bank accounts in a person's name. It's not that are not attached to the corporation because if that person dies, then their family lays claim to that money. I've seen that happen. So and, you know, it's it, it's getting better in general. I think um, ah. in my state, I see a lot less um, moves towards you know top down control. I'm seeing a, a lot more openness towards change and ideas. A lot of it's just because I think we have a lot of younger leadership coming in. Um, yeah, I'm gonna again quote uh, Harlan. You know, uh, change happens one masonic funeral at a time. Uh, that's just maybe a reality of it. Ooh, that's, yeah. Uh, yeah, and uh, you know, like like when, when the Grandmaster of Colorado went out there with his little broadside last month. That, that's, I mean, Colorado. I mean, ever since they legalized weed, they've just been crazy. But I love them. I think that was a great idea. You know, well, that, he, he had a lot of great. Yeah, he had a lot of great ideas. That 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 got that that went through the rounds. You know, and in our lodges here, <clears throat> it, it it'll get better. Um, whether it'll get better in time, I think so. Just because I don't think that. I think Freemasonry is almost infinitely scalable, you know, up and down for the most part. Most March, it's almost like we're not the building so much, but the but the. Oh, guys! Something occurred to me that I wanted to say. I forgot all about. Sorry to interrupt you, Matt. It's a total thought that anyway. Um, I missed Lodge last week because you guys, I was, you guys know about that, but um, it was discussed, brought up, and requested by our Grand Lodge if uh, any lodges are willing to help raise candidates because there's lodges in our area that have candidates and they don't have, they, they want to get them raised as quickly as possible, apparently. Um, and there was discussion in my lodge and a lot of people didn't want to do it. And my master and I were working together on Saturday. And um, I think we're going to try putting together a degree team for the province and it'll be big. And it'll be annoying, but I think we're going to try and do it from our lodge. Uh... Which is four, we're trying to cover 14 lodges, but, so be interesting. as somebody who saw what Ohio did recently, um, last week, I, as, and as someone who was part of Pennsylvania's one day class in 2004, where I got to walk 
Lots of my degrees in the basketball arena. I will always argue against things like that for Blue Watch. Um, I, I can tolerate that for chapter and council. Um, and I can tolerate that for Red Cross in Malta. Um, the Order of the Temple, I believe there's one part of that that every guy should do by himself. And when I went through that, when I went through that, the Order of the Temple, um, there was like 45 guys there, and we all did that one part by ourselves. Uh, so, long day. I am not. I am not. I am. A, I'm not opposed to putting degree together degree teams that go around and do the work to help out other lodges. In fact, I believe that's, that's exactly what we're going. Yeah, that's that's the plan. I believe that other lodges. Should we should help each other, especially like you know, when you're in a small state like me in New England, and there's a state you can like, if there were no trees between like your lodge and like, like there's two lodges in my state that if there are no trees down, the two buildings could see each other. So across the river, so gonna point that out. Like it, it helping each other out's a good thing, and and we've been doing that a lot since we, we came back because you know you got ring rust um, and then anyone who that's, that that's, it, yeah. and it's amazing how much uh, ritual that you learned or at least you thought you learned and then you're like I don't remember this at all as you try learning it to do a degree um, and so if you're doing a traveling degree team to help out I'm all about that if it starts to be in a class you've got EAs and fellow crafts sitting on the sidelines, like just watching the entire thing. F that. No, and that's what the Grand Lodge is asking for. Like people that can go to lodges and help get get them done. Because yeah, we no, have people um, that, yeah. We're 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 quasi doing that. I mean, my lodge does. I'll I'll toot my lodge's horn. Um, I we do really good ritual. It's not like I started that. Like you know. I've been master for, you know, four and a, you know, three and a half months. It's not like I started, I, I didn't make us good at ritual. Right. So, but, um, you know, it's, it's funny cause you know, we're, you, know, you, you guys are, we, we've, you guys are coming out this later than we did cause my inspections in two weeks and I have no candidates. So we're gonna have an exemplar and all the lodges in my district have no candidates because I had no candidates because I did an EA like a month ago. Okay. And all the other lives like, yeah, we just like did our guys. Like, um, like there's no staggering this year, it looks like. It's all kind of like, oh, well, I guess we're all kind of going to be in the role in the same punch as time frame. So, we. <laughs> I say, it, it's a debate that we're having at my lodge, though. Uh, you know, it's I, I my lodge is a lodge that I, I would say seven years ago maybe legitimately was on the precipice of selling its building and dissolving i mean there, there was like it, it was mostly like i think like three young guys came into the to the lodge because they were like in a band together and thought hey this one looks kind of cool and then all the old guys was like great here's the keys run a non-profit organization 
we'll, we'll see ya, you know, <laughs> and by the way, the building's massively in debt and falling apart or something, you know, it's like, and it was, and, and it's, it's a lodge that came back from that to Same. be, I think, one of the most dynamic lodges in the whole state. It is well liked. It, the, the meetings are fun. Uh, you know, people, people just, they, they like visiting. We have great food, you know, but the one thing uh, that, you know, I've talked to, you know, the secretary and some of the other guys about, we've talked about, uh, you know, we it's getting real good, consistent degree work has been really tough, you know, because some of the guys you got in the progressive line are great. Some of them are not that great. Uh, it's sometimes when you're, you're trying to, to get these things in, you know, these things populated every, you know, every few months and it's just like pulling teeth. And so we've talked about maybe it's time to just say, hey, for now or for the near future or for foreseeable future, let's just cast these things and keep it that way. And that doesn't mean we keep out new Masons. You know, if anybody shows any kind of interest, yeah, come on, you know, let's let's get you in here. But, uh, you know, it's, it's kind of like everyone's doing the same degrees, the same parts anyway. This is because it's like the one thing that we think we're missing that would make us the best lodge in the entire goddamn universe is it's, just really, really awesome degree work. And that's just evaded us so far. It's, it's hard. Um, I'm not going to lie. You know, my lodge wasn't when I moved this to, to Connecticut, my lodge in my district was like the model lodge. And then they had an issue that damn near killed it and they'd been rebuilding it. And um, I can say this for my York right bodies is that I've been the head of all three of them now. Is that when I got to the, the the main chair, I was like, "Hey, if you're installed as officer position, you're doing that job." Like none of this past guys going, "Well, that's my spot." Well, that's cool. You've been doing that spot for forty years. What happens when you don't come back? Which happened to me in my chapter. My principal soldier, he's done it for like thirty years. Got too old, can't leave his house. Now, and, that's, and that's kind of what's going on with our lodge. And I'm, I'm going to end up be doing the, the senior steward. And I have no idea. Me, me, um, senior, senior deacon, sorry. But no, article, I can't speak. So, warden. You know, the fourth has a really good article that I don't know if he, I can't remember if he wrote it or not, that you don't own the ritual. You don't own that chair. Like, you want to help out and do stuff you feel needs? That's great. You don't get to sit in that line for <clears throat> decades and never do anything outside that one little spot. Or my, and, my favorite. So you, professional mentorship quote of if you can't be replaced you can't be promoted yeah and <laughs> and you know you there's one thing that you know you, you want to hold guys feet to the fire not because i mean i have seen some really great guys in as masters who were dog shit at ritual but they knew they were bad but they tried. And that's always my comment is that I've done been doing ritual for a long time. I know when someone's put the effort. I know when they've blown it off. And really it's just give the guys enough notice to be like, all right, you if we gotta have rehearsals one night a week for the next month or so to get our our, our bearing straight. Mm -hmm. it's gonna suck. And you know. I'm a big believer that most rehearsals should be for floor work. But if, if you got to be there and, and guys like, look, I, I don't have, I need someone to work my lines over with. 
all right, I'll read from my book and you can go. And that's, that's, that's the only thing I found. And I found this, this is the way I've run things now for seven years. Like that's, that's pretty much the only way I've seen it work. You, you know, you're in that chair, you do the job and all the job and be able to tell them, like, are you actually putting in the effort to study? Because it's, it's really tricky, though. I, I you know, I, I, I knew in, in my last lodge we missed out on a guy who would have been a great master because you know he used to play high school football and he had like seven concussions and he just could not do memory work. And that's you know, fine. He, just, and he fine. could do everything else, but he, but people were insisting you sit in that chair, you run no. the master mason degree, you do all this stuff, and he's like, I can't. No, so I, I hate that because, it, again, it's not – again, big fan of the Ashler. It's it's not about – it's about the attempt. So if a guy's putting in the effort and sucks at it, I'm okay. Fine, we come to inspection. We will have an exemplar. You will sit in your chair, and you will bumble through it. We'll all be there with you. But when it's got live candidates, we will find someone else to cover your ass, mm-hmm. provided you're putting in the effort. Mm-hmm. It's about it's, it's about the attempt. And again, I, mean, I can back that up. You know, as long as if they're trying, they're trying, but it's irreplaceable a person's degree work. And oh no, it is, and and look at it. It's hard. It I, be, I mean, the my principal sojourner yeah. from my chapter had done it for thirty years, and he got too old and then COVID happened and he, he won't leave his house even now. Like he's, you know, yeah. And that's the longest lecture in masonry. I think is that Royal Arch long journey, isn't it? Yeah, I think so. Like the yeah. longest. I want to say it's damn, cl- it's damn close. Yeah. I, I would say the only degree that's yeah, it's it, yeah, that's that's the single longest bit that any guy, single guy, does. I get into the northern Masonic jurisdiction with the nineteenth degree, where it's a one man degree. I'm not sure, John. In our state, do we have more than one person in the whole state who can do that degree? I only remember one guy. I attended two degrees. One of them was mine, and one of them was was one that my my chapter was putting on. It was the same guy doing it on both ones, and I'm like, yeah, he's the only guy who knows it. Like, there's okay. like, yeah, I think there's I less than a handful of guys that can actually do that part for Royal Arch degree because that's that's. Probably twice as long as the winding staircase. When, uh, when I say Freemasonry scales really well, I don't mean every piece of Freemasonry. You no. know, having an eighty-seven minute ritual doesn't scale down. Very no, that's 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 a the real arch is a rough degree because especially if you're on the dais, like you take a nap for like an hour and a half. Yeah, because you don't have anything to do until the very you open it and then clock out. Yeah. So. But I mean, I agree. Like you know, getting good guys to do ritual is important. But again, it's I would never stop a guy from progressing through the line because he sucks at ritual as long as he's trying. Because 
I some of the shittiest masters I, or heads of a body I ever senator were rock stars on ritual because running a body is. I've had some guys say running a body is no more than ten percent ritual. I would say it's like no more than two percent. Mm. It it look you, I mean, you can't you can't. I, I get what you're saying. No, and I agree no. with what you're saying, but you can't undervalue ritual proficiency either. I mean, we're a ritual organization. Like the function of a lodge is to make masons. But I, I, it's I, I important. Would, I'll back. I'll back Chuck up on this a little bit because I am, and I'm the first person to admit I am not a ritualist. I do not do. I don't do ritual, and I've sat in the east on almost every body I've been in. But you open and close the lodge. I can do that, but I, I, I know how to do that from rope because I was a member for 10 right. years before I got to be master. But the difference is, like, we would do degree work, and I would, when I was the, my three different terms, coordinate the degree, I would tag somebody else to take my master's seat for the degree. Because and, I can do that for the degree, but you can't tag a ritualist in to do what I do or what I did when I was ma master of the lodge doing all the damage control. But there's and a, flow. but, but you're, if you're trying to lead your lodge to ritual excellence, even if you're not doing those parts, there's something to be said for the leadership of the lodge, having ritual proficiency to set the tone and inspire everyone else. And I will tell you the most dysfunctional lodge that's that I've seen recently around me. They are all absolutely crackerjack ritualists. Yeah, but and there's a there's a I balance just, to be found. And there, but no, but again, that's the problem. If you require a guy to be good at ritual to go up the line, like, how many profession? Like, you know, again, you, you put that head in your head, you sit in the chair, like you lose ten IQ points. It's a it's a rule. Like, yes, um, you know, it's. The fact, like, there are guys out there who are really good at ritual, really good, who should never, ever, ever sniff being the head of a body. Right. Yeah. It but in any environment, you, you probably see this at work, where there are guys who are positively brilliant at the thing that the organization does that has, should never be involved in, in leading people. But they are the best at like their function. But at the same time, you can't take the best people, person, leaders in your organization that have zero competence in whatever it is the organization does and expect that to be successful either. You're not happy people. That's literally how my company works. Is that no one who's worth a damn gets promoted to be management. They fail upwards. Government. Right. Yeah. Well, that's. <laughs> yeah, I mean, how he literally just quit his job on Monday. I mean, I can attest look, that is how management works. I mean, <laughs> yeah. I'm not arguing that guys should not be proficient. I'm not arguing that guys should not. Sorry, they should not be attempting. Because again, the difference is, most guys that I've found in my time, who really like this guy who's been in lodge for years, he gets to be the master. The son of a bitch still can't open or close. It's like most of them have skipped yeah. a chair, two or three, 
And so they never sat there and they get there too fast. And they study, they're sitting there studying the ritual right before the lodge opens. Not, they're not doing it like, well, they're, you know, on their throne dealing with their hangover on a Saturday or a Sunday. They're not doing it, you know, half looking at it while they're, they're not reciting themselves while they're driving home from work. They're not putting in actual effort. And from any of us who've been around in the craft for a long enough time period, we know who's not putting in the effort. It's really apparent. And that's my that point is go up the line. Yes, ritual matters. I said the worst masters I've seen in my life were great were, were the best rituals I've ever seen. And I've also said, and I've told every and I keep and I've been harping on this for a long damn time. The worst degree I've ever seen in my life in Freemasonry was letter perfect. The guy read the damn phone book. Yeah, with no the ambition. Monotone, no emotion. There was no inflection, no emotion. Nothing. But that's that's part of what I would call ritual proficiency. But it, that's not what ritual proficiency is. And that's why when you I do feel something, man. I tell the guys, I've had this I had this guy literally sit there and he he did his uh his EA proficiency. And I was like, cool, what's that mean? He could explain it. He knew it word letter for letter. I was like Great. You don't know shit. What'd you obligate yourself to? Couldn't say. All right, cool. You ain't proficient. Yeah. We're you gonna don't know what you obligated yourself to. At least the majority of it, you're definitely unproficient. And then meanwhile, last night at my lodge, I, you know, my, my senior ward's on vacation. And so I had a past master sitting there who's, <laughs> and then he's, he's bump he, he, he screwed up some part of the opening of the EA and our brand new EA is actually like lecturing him on, it was was the one prompting him from memory because they don't get books yet. Which I was just like, I sat there, I'm like, hey, brother, you're proficient. There we go. You're you're opening the lodge for the senior ward and you win. <laughs> hey, you, you want to know what kind of asshole I am? I'm great at, uh, at ritual and I still don't do it. I, I, I love being a sideliner. I'm everything that's wrong with Freemasonry. So anyways, mm -hmm. they wrote this book on how to be a good Freemason. And uh, <laughs> yeah, I think everyone should buy it. And because there's this, there's a section there I, I do write. I, I, we, we, we've lost the art of positive confrontation. And people need yeah. to be more confrontational mm. about oh, very, very much so. everything in Lodge. You know, being constructive about that. It's, it's turned into such a bad word. And, you know, confrontational with yourself about what I suck at. I'm like, hey. You're really good at ritual, and you don't volunteer for anything. Maybe you suck. It's like, oh yeah, I should work on that. You know, I have to go have that conversation with myself, and I have to have that conversation with you when it's you're the one who sucks. Uh, and, good and constructive discourse. It's especially hard in our state because we have a very passive aggressive oh, state. You're not lying. Well, uh, Harlan, I think that was the the closing. Yes. Yeah. And since 
I am a terribly ineffective leader. I have enough ritual proficiency to close us out. So thank you for listening to episode 298, not 99, because last week was a dud, of the Afterlatch podcast. You can find the show notes for this or any previously published episode at www.afterlodge.com. Uh, hang out with us on IRC at irc.snoonet.org, pound sign, Freemasonry. Shoot us an email at afterlodge at gmail.com. Uh, you can find us on Facebook or Twitter at Afterlodge. And, of course, Chuck is still terrorizing the Reddits, as is our good friend Matt, uh, who can be found under the pseudonym Tiki Jack. Matt, do you, yeah, do you have the Tiki Bar down there? I see your acoustic tiles. Did you get rid of the Tiki Bar? The Tiki Bar was actually ten times better than it was that first time you saw it. I completely I completely redid it, uh, and then my basement flooded, and I have not like rebuilt it since. So, oh well. But um, but yeah, no. Um, yep, yeah, you can you can find me in more places besides Reddit. You can find me at practicalfreemasonry.com, where I did this cool ass book, Practical Freemasonry, all about uh, symbolism. I did this book called The Brickyard, which is a great book for uh, for people interested in petitioning and want to know all about it. Um, I also do a monthly newsletter called uh, The Practicing Freemason which people can subscribe to on Patreon for as little as a dollar at uh, patreon.com slash Matt Gallagher. Right. Grand Lodges can, can subscribe to it even. It scales. That's what she Good, sir. Thanks for coming to hang out with us. Um, Anytime. Try not to make it so long before next time. And uh, I, yeah, like honestly, uh, you know, if, if this wasn't opposite one of my favorite TV shows, I'd be here every night. I can eat, I can depot that if you guys. I have nothing I was else. Gonna to say, do. you know, TiVo's been a thing since like the nineties. The nineties, yeah. yeah. <laughs> What's your old Harlan? Yep. And on right. demand. Take care, brothers. See you next. Remember, week. keep your stick yeah. in the ice, and sorry isn't always sorry. Bulls. <laughs> <laughs> Damn, y'all.